There's a crack up in the ceiling and the kitchen sink is leaking. Out of work and got no money, a Sunday joint of bread and honey. What are we living for? Two-roomed apartment on the second floor. No money coming in. The rent collector's knocking, trying to get in. The kinks there from Dead End Street, 1966. Pretty relevant to today for a lot of people. It's interesting how things don't change. To me, photography is an art of observation. It's about finding something interesting in an ordinary place. I found it has little to do with the things you see and everything to do with the way you see them. Elliot Erwitz said that. Hello and welcome to this week's A Photographic Life. I instantly think of the work of Nick Hedges and Colin Jones when I hear those kinks lyrics. Maybe also John Bormer and Peter Mitchell. Maybe the kitchen sink dramas of that period. They're very relevant of a certain type of black and white photography, a documentation of poverty in the 1960s and 1970s. I don't think anyone wants to see any COVID projects at the moment. Well, not yet, anyway. Maybe their time is to come in the same way that that black and white documentation of that period is now having its time. Julia Fullerton-Batten, our previous contributor to this podcast, created a powerful COVID project that is winning awards. But I have to feel that That work is an exception that proves the rule. As I say, some things don't change, but certain work definitely has a time in the spotlight. What I think at the moment is document the now, the small things of now. I'm seeing very few photographers documenting the economic crisis that is affecting the UK and also many other countries across the world. Photographers such as Jim Mortram are certainly doing it, but they're rare. And I think perhaps an element of that is a lack of access because the photographers making the work may not in the past, in the recent past, necessarily had the connections to make that work. I know that Craig Easton, a really great photographer who many of you will know, and also, like Jim, a previous contributor to this podcast, has created some particularly strong work in Liverpool. I don't know what's happening with that now. What I do know is that we should be documenting our times, because as that Kinks song shows, they're not so different from the past. But what we do need is a photographic documentation of how we're living today. Speaking of the economic situation that we currently find ourselves in, if you listen to this podcast at the beginning of the year, uh, actually, Bill Shapiro and I discussed NFTs in our New Year kind of roundup. And I should say at this point that Bill will be joining us again for a sort of half-term catch-up on some of the discussion we had at the beginning of the year. That'll be happening uh in a few weeks' time, so look out for that one. But anyway, we were talking about NFTs, the dreaded non-fungible token. And uh, even in the last week, I've seen yet another photographer to, who has contributed to this podcast um, getting very excited about the idea that they were launching a body of their work as NFTs. However, I did say that I wasn't going to talk about it again until 
I suppose, in a way, things moved forward and there was something to talk about, which wasn't just a conjecture, conjecture, I should say, other, other than pro, uh, positive, perhaps, or negative. The positive seemed to be almost evangelical, the negative almost as much so. I have to say, I felt that the negative had more to it. So, when I saw a couple of articles in the newspapers over the last uh, week, I thought I'd bring them to you as a sort of an NFT update. So the first one appeared in The Guardian, and it said this. Crypto entrepreneur Sina Estavi made headlines in March 2021 when he paid $2.9 million for an NFT of Twitter boss Jack Dorsey's first tweet. But his efforts to resell it have uh, run aground with a top bid of just $6,800 as of last Thursday. The initial purchase was at the time among the most expensive sales of a non-fungible token and came amid a flurry of interest in the niche crypto assets. Estavi put the tweet up for resale on the popular marketplace OpenSea last week, initially asking for $48 million. That price tag was removed after offers in the first week were in the low hundreds of dollars. As of Thursday, the highest bid was 2.2 of the cryptocurrency Ether, equivalent to about $6,800. Following that up, uh, in The Independent, sales of non-fungible tokens, NFTs, have fallen 92% since September of last year, according to new data. Analysis by the website Non-Fungible, first cited by the Wall Street Journal, found that NFT sales fell to a daily average of 19,000 in the past week, compared to 225,000 seven months ago. I'll leave you to uh, make your own opinions on that. Regular listeners to the podcast will know that this podcast is created in a shed. Yes, an actual physical shed. Some people have said to me they think I've made that part up. Well, if you've been listening to previous weeks, you'll hear that the birds have been particularly loud on the recordings. I only heard it myself when I uh, listened back to a particular episode uh, in the car and wondered where the birds were coming from. Anyway, I hope you enjoy the bird song that is occasionally a soundtrack to the podcast. So this week, not only are we welcoming uh, birds in the background, but we're also welcoming, I should say, photographer Edmund Clark to explain to us what photography means to him in less than five minutes. Edmund uh, worked as a researcher in London and Brussels before gaining a postgraduate diploma in photojournalism at the London College of Communication. His research-based work combines a range of references and forms, including bookmaking, installations, photography, video, documents, text and found images and material. Whatever is conceptually and formally relevant to investigating the subject and communicating with an audience. Recurring themes include developing strategies for reconfiguring how subjects are seen and engaging with state censorship to explore unseen experiences, spaces and processes of control and incarceration in the global war on terror and elsewhere. 
uh, Clark's work has been published in seven books. My Shadow's Reflection in 2018, In Place of Hate in 2017, Negative Publicity, Artifacts of Extraordinary Rendition, 2017, Control Order House, 2016, The Mountains of Majid, 2014, Guantanamo, If the Light Goes Out, 2010, and Still Life Killing Time, 2007. His work has been exhibited widely, including at the International Centre of Photography Museum in New York and the Imperial War Museum in London. His work has been acquired for national and international collections, including the ICP Museum and the George Eastman House Museum in America and the National Portrait Gallery and the National Media Museum in Great Britain. Awards include Royal Photographic Society Hood Medal for Outstanding Photography for Public Service, the British Journal of Photography International Photography Award, and together with Croft and Black, an ICP Infinity Award and the inaugural Recontra d'Al Photo Textbook Award. For four years, he was the artist-in-residence in Europe's only wholly therapeutic prison, H.M.P. Grendon. He is represented by the Flowers Gallery in London and New York, the East Wing Gallery in Dubai, and the Parotta Contemporary uh, Gallery in Stuttgart and Berlin. Today, he teaches postgraduate students at the London College of Communication in London. It's an awful lot of stuff. Let's hear from Edmund. What does photography mean to me? Today, it means a way of recording light measured by time, a way of seeing, a way of speaking, a way of making memories, a way of keeping people who will be dead alive, even if nobody knows who they are. It means an aesthetic process and experience. It means an emotional experience. It means an intellectual experience. It means understanding how important words are. It means visual evidence in a forensic context, in a court of law. It's a way of tracing the mask of what you are not allowed to see or cannot see. It's a technology with a very troubling place and part in histories of industrialization, of colonial expansion and subjugation. It's an act of acquisition. It's an act of taking. It's an act of violence. It's an act of objectification. It uh, is about creating mirrors for preconceptions. It's an act of classification. It's an act of, an act of trophy hunting. It's about knowledge creation. It's about communication. It's about sharing. Um, it's a way of meeting people. It means a way of making a living. It means um, a way of justifying my experience and my existence. It means self-worth. It means a way of engaging with the world around me. It does not mean indexical truth. And tomorrow, it will probably mean something different. Thank you very much, Edmund, for your uh, contribution this week. I really enjoyed your uh, straightforward talking there, and uh, I think you covered pretty much all of the ground. <laughs> 
work, I have to say. So thank you very much for that. I think now we know exactly what you think photography is and exactly what you don't think photography is. And of course, that lovely uh, kind of payoff at the end that as we should all be, as I always talk about being open minded at the end, it may all be something completely different tomorrow. So thanks very much, Edmund. As always, if you're not aware of his work, do go on to his website. I think you'll find it very inspiring. Uh, very much a question of that research-based photography that we don't often cover on the podcast, but is very, very relevant. And that idea of what an exhibition can be, what a show of work can be, that how storytelling can take different forms. So really, uh, I would recommend not just look at uh, Edmund's photographs, but delve deep into the why of what he does and how he does it. I think you'll find it very rewarding. I know I certainly do. New MacBook Pro this week to uh, run the podcast through. First one I've bought since 2014. New microphone settings as well. And I hope they're uh, improving your enjoyment of this particular episode. Uh, in the last week, I saw a tweet from Ilford, the uh, photographic film and paper company that we're all so aware of and I'm sure we've all used their uh, products at some point. But anyway, they put out a tweet, I suppose in a sense, a typical piece of clickbait uh, that's so prevalent nowadays in social media where somebody decides to ask a question, a very generic, I suppose in many ways bland question, with the hope of getting engagement from that and people picking up on it and answering the question. The question they set was... Um, you know, what piece of work, what photograph are you most proud of in which you broke the rules? I was instantly a bit confused by this because I wondered what rules they were talking about. So I immediately uh, got back to them and said, well, what rules? Unfortunately, I don't think it was the kind of interaction they were looking for, and they completely ignored me. But I think it is relevant that a company such as Ilford, very incredibly well-respected, who do really great work for the photographic community, obviously primarily analogue, um, asking these questions. And so I googled the idea of photographic rules. And what I got back was things around, uh, you know, three thirds and uh, composition and all of that kind of stuff. And... For me, I think we're involved in a creative practice that shouldn't have any rules attached to it. I don't think I could possibly look at my work and judge it on the basis of whether or not I'd followed rules. I don't think I'd even know what rules to I was meant to be following in an image. What I'm interested in is creating the image and not worrying about whether or not I'm following a rule. Unfortunately, the world of camera clubs, uh, the old school camera clubs, because I know there's lots of good stuff out there as well, was very much bound up with the idea of rules, as are photographic magazines. Unfortunately, some still seem to be uh, with that idea of following rules to get the perfect photograph, that need for um, following those rules. And I suppose, in a sense, ensuring success and not welcoming the idea of failure. I certainly welcome the idea of failure because I've failed so many times before. I might as well. No point getting hung up on it. So unfortunately, I can't help you, Ilford, as to uh, what pictures I uh, 
broke the rules in because I have no idea about the rules and I have no intention of beginning now. When I teach, I don't even teach rules. And some of you listening may find that that's sacrilegious, but we're involved in a creative practice. I think it's really important to welcome a little chaos and anarchy into that. If we don't, we may as well just follow a manual. In the past week, my first set of graduates put on their private view of their degree show uh, at Oxford Brookes University, where I lead the photography program. I was a, it was quite an emotional evening, actually. Uh, I think they spotted that I got a bit emotional about it, um, but uh, I tried to keep a stiff uh, upper lip. But anyway, one of the things that really affected me was at the end of the evening, uh, completely without my knowledge, the uh, students had decided that they were going to tell me what photography meant to them. They took on the challenge that we present to photographers every week on this podcast and have been doing for the last couple of years. Anyway, they um, they wrote their own responses and they stood in line and one after another, they read their responses to me. And it was incredibly moving, primarily because I it made me realise just how much photography now does mean to them. And I'd been able to see and play a small role in that progression of their understanding. And now, without a shadow of a doubt, love for the medium. They certainly got a little bit emotional and I can completely understand why. And emotion is a good thing. It does show that it means something to us. So I think that's an important factor. But anyway, the reason why I'm telling you this is because next week, um, after they uh, read out their responses, I asked them to record an audio of that response um, because I thought it was very interesting for all of us to hear from young photographers just starting out on their careers what photography means to them. So next week's episode will be a learning photography special. That doesn't mean to say that if you've been practicing the medium for years, it's not going to be relevant to you. I think it's going to be really relevant, primarily because these young photographers are now coming into exactly the same environment that you're working in. They're going to be dealing with the same problems. But also, as we know from a commissioned perspective, there is a competitive element to that. It's always good to know what your rivals are up to and what they're thinking about. So that'll be next week. There will be more than one contributor. And I hope you really enjoy it. Something a little bit different from usual. But if you are involved in learning photography, I think you're going to find it even more interesting to hear from the very people who just in the last week have finished their degrees. Anyway, that's next week. This is now. A couple of new articles have gone up on the United Nations of Photography website. One very much about that uh, dealing with that Ilford thing I was talking about earlier, and one also about photography and the nude. Um, so check those out. And of course, take care. Thank you.